Hello and welcome to Setting the Scene. I'm Ben. I'm Elijah and we're alone. Yep, it is just the two of us this week. Uh, Tristan and Doug are off gallivanting doing something. I'm not entirely sure what. Uh, so this week it's just me and Elijah. I'm going to go ahead and preface uh, this whole episode by saying it's probably going to be a bit more low-key. Um, we've both had long weeks from work and everything, so uh, we're both not quite as energetic as we normally are, but we still want to get this episode out. And I think it's fitting because this is also kind of a low-key movie that we watched this week. Uh, Elijah, what did we watch this week? This week we watched, what's the year, 1982? Mm-hmm. Yeah, 1982's Blade Runner, <clears throat> uh, which is a science fiction and cyberpunk and neo-noir classic. Um, it's directed by <clears throat> Ridley Scott, written by Hampton Fancher, David Webb Peebles, based on a book by Philip K. Dick called Do Androids Dream of Electric Sheep, which I've heard of and always been intrigued by because of the super fun title, but I've never read it. Uh, Blade Runner stars Harrison Ford, Rutger Hauer. I don't know if I'm pronouncing that right. Sean Young, Edward James Olmos, M. Emmett Walsh, Daryl Hannah, William Sanderson, Brian James, Joe Turkle, Joanna Cassidy, and a bunch of other people. James Hong. I don't know if there's anybody else that uh, that we would recognize, right? Um, I mean, not that. I didn't recognize uh, half of the people I just named. Yeah, so. I'd say I had Harrison Ford and uh, Edward James almost, and that's about it. Um, I don't quite understand what this is saying uh, on the box office stuff, but uh, the budget listed for this movie is MVR20. I don't what know what that, that means. Mean? That's a great question. Um, but uh, this movie, it, when it first premiered, was not a box office uh, success. It was actually kind of flopped uh only made 41 million worldwide um but it has since kind of been become revered as i really don't even feel like i can call this movie a cult classic but it has kind of like etched its place in sci-fi movie history yeah Uh, it kind of seems like shortly after it came out it became what you would call a cult mm -hmm. film but now it's so broadly respected that I don't know that you would have to assign the word cult at the beginning. It's kind of just considered a classic at this point. Yeah. So, I mean, there are people who say this is Ridley Scott's best film. Um, yeah. Uh, but in terms of ratings, uh, it's got an 8.1 out of 10 on the MDB, uh, 84 on Metacritic. Uh, Rotten Tomatoes has an 89. Parent previews, whatever that is, says it is as a three out of five. Common Sense Media, four out of five. And the Google has it as a 4.3 out of 5 stars. Uh, so, Elijah, had you ever uh, watched or heard anything about this movie before? Definitely heard a lot about it. Um, I feel like people reference this movie a lot. Mm-hmm. Um, but no, I'd never seen it. I feel like just from hearing people talk about it, I had, I had kind of an idea of what I was getting into. Um, but no, I never watched this. This is one of the many classics I'd never seen. And I'm thinking that's true of you as well. Yep. Um, I'd say, I mean, I didn't even have the right impression of it coming in. And I thought it was, uh, like, I understood that it was like a sci-fi movie from the 80s, but I thought it was more uh, space-centric and it ended up being uh, killing robots on dystopian Earth-centric, which was an interesting move, I think. Um, so I was particularly intrigued by 
kind of this movie's take on a dystopian future because i feel like a lot of times you see like the uh setting movies in the future it's bright it's cheery and here it's kind of gritty kind of depressing uh it kind of reminded me of the um tim burton gotham city uh from batman and batman returns have you seen that yeah um yeah of course if it's a batman movie i've seen it (laughs) i think that's probably true um but yeah this version of the future has influenced a lot of other versions of the Mm -hmm. future yeah and it was interesting because i feel like this is probably one of the first movies to really ever do cyberpunk um and i mean even now i i've it's tough for me to like put the cyberpunk label on stuff but I feel like this definitely gets it um and then neo-noir is just not a genre i'm super familiar with but yeah the more i got into this movie the more i liked it um because uh it's real slow uh especially at the beginning yeah and it's weird that um i mean this is an action movie mm-hmm. but it's a slow burn of an action movie Yep, uh, it's two hours and it feels much longer. Yeah, it, it feels long. Mm-hmm. Um, but the action sequences that we do get are pretty interesting. Um, like we get uh, with the several uh, gunfighting scenes uh, with Harrison Ford trying to hunt down each and every one of them. Uh, they don't call them robots. What do they call them? In this movie, they call them replicants. Replicants, yep. Yeah. Thank you. And kind of their whole story was interesting and exactly what I would expect to come out of humans. Um, so I'm sure you've watched the movie, but in case you haven't, uh, this whole movie's uh, set in the grim future of 2019. Um, and uh, this corporation had created these uh, replicants uh, and they made them just as smart as the scientists who created them, uh, but like more physically adept than humans with a lifespan of just four years. And what did they do? They made them slaves. Of naturally, course. Right. And then naturally they revolted and uh, they were sent off world. But when I went, uh, I think that was in like the opening crawl and I read that I was like, that sounds exactly like something human humanity would do. Yeah, and I think that's kind of a trait common to a lot of science fiction stories, mm-hmm. a lot of dystopian stories. It's um, taking just one or two of the worst aspects of human nature mm-hmm. and, you know, just taking it to, to a hypothetical extent. Like, what if we get to this point? Like, how bad would humanity screw this up, you know? Mm-hmm. Um, it's uh given what we know of human history so far it's easy to imagine ways that we could just royally screw ourselves over mm-hmm. um you know given the right technology and enough time um it makes for some good stories some entertaining stories and it also kind of makes for some stories that make you pull away and go dang like there's just no hope for us <laughs> i mean you look at the world today it's easy to kind of fall into that yeah um so this this film was like uh it's often cited as one of the main examples of a neo-noir film because it does incorporate a lot of the feel of old like noir detective dramas and things like Mm -hmm. that um and also cyberpunk 
two pretty niche genres. So uh, it makes sense that this would kind of quickly become a cult classic because these are just not not genres that you see a whole lot and i'm sure that was doubly true in 1982 yeah but just the people who are into this stuff were like oh blade runner's the best you know so it kind of instantly became a big deal to a lot of people i mean it still is a big deal to a lot of people so right. much that, it's grown since then yeah, it's so much that popular. we've gotten a sequel right well, i am interested like to see 30 the years later uh, i read the wikipedia page for the sequel because um with the ending of the movie i kind of assumed what the plot was about and i was spot on with what the plot was about yeah uh just from my brief reading of the wikipedia page and uh it may still be a really good movie uh, i'm sure it is i'm a big fan of uh, dennis villanueve uh who's the director for blade runner 2049 uh, yeah so getting back to this one how did you feel about the characters uh stars harrison ford as um Deckard, is that his name? Yeah. Um, Rick Deckard. Mm. Um, uh, very much a flawed protagonist. Yeah. Um, even one who I would hesitate to refer to as a hero. I don't know that he is a hero. If anything, I think he's a reluctant hero. Yeah. Maybe he is one of those. Um, definitely a flawed character. Uh I was, I was very invested in what was going on with him. I'll say that, you know, and I think that's a victory. I think that's, um, I mean, the movie wasn't necessarily trying to make me like the guy mm -hmm. just to be invested in his story, I think. And that it succeeded in that. What do you yeah, think? I think his Deckard is definitely not a likable character at all in this movie. Um, yeah. Personally, I was a little uncomfortable with his uh, relationship with, um rachel rachel yeah uh, it wasn't good yeah no that uh one scene where they finally get together was real uncomfortable yeah yeah it was not it was not good nope. um he was not good nope but um but yeah i i was very interested in what was going on um the movie made me want to pay attention to that character and the others and just kind of think about uh what they had going on and make some predictions about where things would go. What kind of predictions did you have? Well, you know, it didn't take me long watching this movie to think, okay, Deckard's probably going to end up being a replicant himself. Mm -hmm. And I kind of thought that for one thing, based on the fact that um, this just seems like the type of movie that would have a plot twist. You know, this just seems like the type of movie that would want to build somebody up to a sudden, you know, Fight Club-esque mm -hmm. twist. And I know Fight Club was considerably after this, but uh, that type of thing, I, I kind of was watching this and expecting it to go in that direction. Mm -hmm. And then with this being, you know, sci-fi is, um, that's a really great genre for exploring human nature and what mm -hmm. it means to be human. And I saw that this movie was doing that. And that was uh, one of the best things about this movie, I think, was the way oh, it definitely. explored that. Yeah. And and so seeing that, I was like, OK, so this is actually going to call into. I mean, they kept they kept using this empathy test mm -hmm. to try to figure out if people were humans or replicants. Mm -hmm. 
these androids and it's hard to tell the difference. And I was like, all right, I see where that's going. It's hard to tell the difference between the androids and humans. Yeah. Because this is calling into question what it actually means to be human. Mm-hmm. Are the androids replicants actually human? And I was like, okay, this is going to end up with Deckard actually being one of the replicants and he doesn't mm-hmm. even know it. And then they, we never even really get a confirmation on that. Right. Although with the, cut of the film that we watched uh we watched the final cut uh which is kind of seen as like the ultimate one the one that uh ridley scott was in total control of it is they pretty much do everything but explicitly state that yeah uh deckard is a replicant um because they uh show this um kind of like dream sequence uh kind of about halfway through the film uh, that's just like a unicorn running through a field. Um, and then at the end of the movie, we see that, um, excuse me, uh, Edward James Almost's character, Gaff, has left this like little origami unicorn to kind of like uh, imply that that's like a, like a memory that was implanted into him. Right. They don't confirm that. Um, but that is what I was thinking. When the dream sequence happened, you know, I thought the unit the unicorn was probably significant because you know how we use that word mm-hmm. casually in conversation. When we say something's a unicorn, we mean it's like a special sort of one of a kind mm-hmm. thing that's different from the others. And I was like, all right, well, is that to say that he's a replicant who's a little bit different from the others? You know, that he's a unicorn in that sense. And I was like, I think that's what the movie's hinting at. Yeah. And then they gave us that little thing at the end, but no, they never explicitly said it. And from what you and I both read the Wikipedia page before we recorded this. And it was talking about how Ridley Scott wanted it to be, you know, canonically like he is a replicant. Um, Harrison Ford and some other people involved really wanted him to be human. And then I think the the main writer of the script really wanted it to be ambiguous, which I would say it is. Even in the final cut version that we just watched, I would say kind of ambiguity reigns. Um, and apparently a lot of fans, and, and I think I agree, a lot of fans say that that's actually a strength of this movie because the ambiguity of whether or not he's quote unquote human, um, it kind of just helps make the point um, that this movie's trying to make about the nature of humanity. Like if, if these androids are actually, if they have memories and they're capable of feeling empathy and all those things, then like, are they actually human, you know? Um, and the fact that, that we don't know for sure if the protagonist is a replicant, but we have to think of him as a human kind of serves as a way to answer the question, even though it's ambiguous, the way it's delivered, it kind of delivers a a pretty definitive answer on like the big question about what it means to be human Mm -hmm. kind of saying, you know, isn't he human either way kind of thing. Yeah. I'd say, and I really like the evolution of the character that we see with, um, I just looked up his name, uh, Roy, I think, Roy Batty. Yeah, yeah uh, the, Rucker Howard's character. The main um, antagonist in the movie. Yeah, because like he gives this um, short monologue towards the end of the film talking about like all this stuff that he's seen and uh, it will all be lost like tears in the rain and like just kind of like that gut punch of like, I mean, he he is clearly more than just, like, an android. Like, he has had these, like, living experiences. He knows what it is like to, like, feel. 
and yeah i noticed when i was reading the wikipedia page that that there was a link to a whole other page just Mm -hmm. about the monologue that roy delivers before he dies talking about memories disappearing like tears in the rain and how nice and poetic that was right before Mm -hmm. he died Um, because apparently that's just a really iconic movie scene just in the in cinema in general which i you know i get because i remember being kind of moved by that scene um roy really like is he actually a worse person than deckard you know like they're both neither one of them is like a really great guy really and there at the end you kind of sympathize with roy i mean yeah he's a murderer but you kind of sympathize with where he's coming from but like at the same time all they wanted was to live like right that was their uh what was motivating them the entire time uh because the replicants only have a four-year lifespan um and they were too human to just be robots and they wanted more life and when they found out that they couldn't get that yeah roy killed um tyrell uh forget what his first name was but like the guy who created them right um yeah uh, it's and it's it's in some ways really easy to sympathize with the um antagonist of the film not just because of the you know the way this movie makes you begin to sympathize with androids but also because like you used the word slaves earlier and and they use it in the movie too um when people are being held as slaves and they revolt why should we have any moral problem with that they they ought to revolt you know they ought to lead a bloody revolution so like (laughs) it's it's you know when you look at it that way it's like what should should we even be viewing those characters as the bad guys in the story (laughs) yeah well i think it's interesting how far like the what we i guess consider the quote-unquote good guys like how far they go to dehumanize the replicants because like they do enslave them they don't they don't kill them they quote-unquote retire them like they take so many steps to be like to essentially say like they are not human but Mm -hmm. the whole point of the movie is like what does it really mean to be human yeah which i think is I think it's really complex and really interesting to kind of get Ridley Scott's take on that. Yeah. And I'm, I, for one, am very curious on the original book by Philip K. Dick called do androids dream of electric sheep. I've been, I've skimmed the Wikipedia page about that book. And um, obviously it's very similar. The central character is still named Rick Deckard and it still involves the difference between humans and androids but it definitely there's a lot of stuff in the book you can tell that that did not make it in the movie although some of it might be in the sequel um so yeah i think there are uh, some things that are covered in the sequel from the book yeah it it definitely seems like it's a big deal and i i thought this and you probably did too watching the movie the fake animals Mm -hmm. you know when they're always like is that a real owl or a real snake and they're like no it's it's fake it's you know it's a synthetic owl Mm-hmm. um because they don't they don't have the real ones anymore but you can't you can't even tell the difference you know yeah yeah that's a big that's a big thing in this movie so is there anything else uh from the movie that really stood out to you at all or uh i don't know i i liked it i um 
I know from what we read on Wikipedia, you know, our favorite website, it seems like a lot of people just kind of um, criticize this movie because they thought the, the plot, you know, aside taken apart from the um, all the cool special effects and things mm -hmm. that the plot really wasn't that good and original and that the themes really weren't as broad or deep. Um, but I think they were good, you know, um, packaged in a, in a weird quirky action movie. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I also confess, I kind of roll my eyes at the title of this movie mm -hmm. because I feel like they just wanted it to sound cool and it really Absolutely. has nothing to do with, I mean, they could have called these people anything. It doesn't even make sense that the, the guy's job is called a Blade Runner because yeah. nothing about what he does involves running blades on anything. Mm -hmm. They just came up with a name that sounds cool. Um, and, and so I'm going to say the movie's going to lose some points for me just because of that <laughs> dumb, like, reach for coolness. Mm -hmm. uh, but I think it just, um, it just kind of made this movie seem like it was... Um, maybe something slightly different than what it was. I don't know if that's true. Yeah. Um, but I think even though it was packaged in a weird way, I thought um, it was good. In particular, the, the themes about what it means to be human. I'm always down for a movie that makes me question what it means to be human. That's a uh, fun same. time to me. <laughs> yeah. So I thought thematically it's, it was really good. Yeah. And I, I think if you package this movie and sell it as a neo-noir instead of an action movie, that kind of slow pace is it won't be as bad but like if you're expecting this to be just a high-flying action movie you're you're going to be pretty disappointed because <laughs> it is far from that all right well i think it's time we score the sucker i reckon i'll get us started this week um what's holding me back is i don't know if i would necessarily watch this movie again i think i would if i had some time um, but it's not something I'm going to be rushing back to see just because it is, even knowing that it's neo-noir, it is still pretty slow. Um, I think it has a lot of interesting themes and uh, it's definitely a movie that you will think about for a while. I'm going to give this an 82. Mm -hmm. uh, I, I was going to say 86. I, part of me is tempted to give it a little higher, but I, I'll go ahead and lock in an 86. I think this is a good movie. And I, I'm going to go ahead and say, I would be willing to watch this again. I would like to watch it with, um, I don't know. I would kind of like to watch it with some different people, like people who've never seen it. I always like watching a movie with people who've never seen it before yeah. to get their, you know, gut take on things they're seeing for the first time and you know because maybe they maybe they have a different reaction than i do and that's fun <laughs> um i also kind of would like to watch this with somebody who's just a super fan mm -hmm. you know i agree with that um, i think that would make this movie much more interesting like yeah. someone who has maybe even seen all of the different versions because there are several um, right like the original cut doesn't include that um that unicorn dream sequence there was also uh -huh. a different ending at one point. Like oh, they don't that's have, interesting. Yeah, they don't have the ambiguous, uh, they just leave. Like they actually show them like riding off into the sunset essentially together. Okay. Yeah, that's interesting. Hmm. Um, I would like to watch this with somebody who's a super fan, somebody who's read du 
Android's Dream of Electric Sheep. I want to redo Android's Dream of Electric Sheep and then watch this movie again is what I want to do. But uh, yeah, even just on the initial viewing, I'd say this is a good movie. I'm calling it an 86. I like well, it. After putting that into our patented scoreometer, uh, we end up right in the middle with an 84 uh, with just the two of us. It's a lot easier to figure out. Uh, probably didn't really need to plug it into the scoreometer, but I did. Uh, At, also, for any first-time listeners, I'm sorry if we lulled you into a false sense of security with this super chill episode and then hit <laughs> you with the patented scoreometer buzzer. Uh, you can blame regular host Doug Gooden for that mess. <laughs> well, I, I was the one that just kind of, it. I think it was like either episode one or two, I randomly said patented scoreometer and Doug did that. Yeah, he was on it. Um, yeah, Doug's Doug's the one who breathes life into this show. When he's gone, it's real chill, and it's and I think we're lulling some some viewers into a false sense of security and possibly real sleep. <laughs> well, we'll be fine. Um, well, looking ahead to next week, I'm pretty excited about this. Um, this is a movie that uh, my fiance Macy has actually been wanting to talk about for a while. Uh, it is, I don't know what year it came out, but it is Brother Bear. I'm going to say 2001. I think it was after that. 2003. Yep, yep. 2003. Okay. Uh, starring Joaquin Phoenix. That's right. I think Brother Bear is a really underrated movie, and I'm excited oh, yeah. to talk about it too. Oh, yeah, me too. Uh, be sure to join us next week as we talk about Brother Bear. Uh, it's going to be a good time. Uh, but uh, also, be sure to keep up with us and all the cool stuff we do on social media at Vider Media. Um, and then, uh, yeah, we've got new episodes of Setting the Skein every Wednesday. Until next week, I'm Ben. I'm Elijah. And this has been Setting the Skein. Uh, we'll be back next week with hopefully a higher energy episode. But until then, y'all have a great week.